Welcome to Unknown Christian Soldiers, episode 8. Uh, let's go ahead and lead off in prayer. Father God, we come before you right now and pray a prayer of forgiveness where we failed you. We also want to pray a prayer of thankfulness for everything you've done for us, the blessings you've given us, the light you've shined in our lives, and you allow us to shine in the world to others. I know sometimes we all come up short. We pray that you'll continue to strengthen us Allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and allow us to shine a light like you want us to. Allow us to prosper the way you want us to. Allow us and remind us that we are here to serve you and we are here to follow the path that you lay out for us, not necessarily the path that we want to follow. And Father God, I pray your blessing on this podcast. Allow us to get out of it what we need to, both the listeners and myself. And I pray that you will guide us through it. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> let's lead right off the bat. Uh, let's talk about uh, the 2019 World Watch List. This came out last month. Some of you may have already seen it, but I wanted to talk about it. Uh, in reference to it, if you haven't heard about it, <clears throat> here's what uh, Mike Gore, he's the CEO of Open Doors Australia, here's what he says about the watch list. The world watch list shows that where the gospel is being shared, persecution exists. The reason these 50 countries remain on the world watch list is because Christians there choose to keep professing their faith in Jesus. Basically, the watch list is a way for everyone else to see the countries where persecution is truly existing and where Christians are having a hard time. So I want you to keep this in mind when your prayers, okay? So one in nine Christians are persecuted for their faith around the world. All right, so there's uh, the 150 countries surveyed in the 2019 World Watch List. 73 countries showed extreme, very high or high levels of persecution. Okay, now these 50 are the top 50. So I'm going to kind of run, uh, we're going to run these down for you, at least a few of them here for you. Uh, North Korea remains number one it's been number one since 2002 keep these people in your prayers remember these are christians out there that know they are going to get imprisoned beaten and even possibly killed for their faith if they continue to profess it you want to talk about christian warriors these are christian warriors all right uh nigeria had the most christian deaths of any uh country on this list uh, Russia has entered the top 50. Uh, persecution in China continues to exist. Uh, Algeria rose. Islamic extremism in Indonesia is persecuting Christians. Uh, Iraq drops five places, but it's still in the top 50. So I encourage you to go out there and look it up. Um, really just seriously Google uh, 2019 World Watch List, and it'll, it'll have different search results for you. But you can go through here and look at a lot of these countries. And here in America, we do face some persecution. It's, it's getting worse. Uh, but it's not like it is in other countries. We're not really put to death over our faith. I understand, like, the, the Christian baker and, and the, you know, the teachers getting fired for their faith and, and, and things of that nature. Like, uh, there was a police captain that was fired for his faith. The fire captain was, the fire chief was too, and they, they went to court over that. I don't know the outcomes of that. Um, so there is persecution here in America for Christians. It's not like it is in other countries, though. You know, you're, unless the country itself isn't going to put you to death. You know, now you might have some crazy person on the street that puts you down for preaching the word out there. We 
We can't stop that. That's in God's hands. Okay, but these Christian warriors, these Christian soldiers in these other countries, they're facing persecution we can't imagine. Um, if you want to hear stories about what it's like to be in these countries, I, pick up the books, Voice of the Martyrs, Volume 1 and 2. Now, if I believe it's, uh, it's the title ahead of that's DC Talk. Back when DC Talk was a popular Christian band, um, they kind of put their name on it to get it out there. But uh, DC Talk's Voice of the Martyrs, Volume 1 and 2, I have both those books. I'm, I'd love to review them sometime, but you want to talk about some stories stories of when adults wouldn't stand up for the faith a child would and a child was willing to lose their life for the faith in Christ when the adults around them were too scared to faith of a child it just it moves me to think about some of these stories in these places where I'm scared to walk up to somebody and tell them about Jesus yet someone else in some other country who's living in poverty doesn't have a tenth of what we have as it doesn't have a tenth of the blessing we have here in this nation. And they the risk their life. They're willing to die to get out the gospel, to get it out there. Talk about testing what you really, truly believe. We can sit here and we can open our mouths and we can run our mouths and say, I believe this, I believe that. You know, this is what I think. This is what I believe. I believe in the gospel. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. But does your life show it? And I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of times my life doesn't. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this as much to me as I am anybody else. Where am I in my life that I don't have the faith that these people do? Where do I get off thinking I'm any better than they are? And that's where we as Christians need to get better. We are followers of Christ. The word Christian means follower of Christ or Christ follower, someone who is trying to be Christ-like. And we live our lives, not all of us, but most of us live our lives chasing the things of the world, the house, the cars. You know, even if it's not, even if you're just a simple person like me, you know, I, I got a real old pickup. You know, I'm happy with my real old pickup. But there's people in other countries well, there's people here in America that would think that was just a disgrace. You're driving some old pickup, some 20-year-old pickup like that. Who would do that, you know? Um, I'm happy with it. Could have got something nicer, but it didn't. It's, it's what I was happy with. But there are people in other countries that that would be, that'd be the greatest gift they ever received would be something like that. You know? Sometimes I feel like our priorities in the Western world, in the modern world, the world we live in, are, they're all messed up. I mean, they're more messed up than a football bat. I mean, honestly, our priorities are out of whack a lot of times. If we truly, honestly believe what this Bible says, I have a Bible in my hand right now, and if, we, if I truly believe what this Bible says, am I living a life that proves it? Am I living a life that really proves I honestly, honestly believe the words in this book? And I challenge you the same thing. Grab your Bible, open it up, and ask yourself, am I really living a life that proves I honestly, honestly believe what's in this book? Or is it all lip service? Anybody can go to church as a social, anybody go to church, say, well, I went to church Sunday, check that box off. It doesn't work like that. If you truly believe Christ was the son of God, God himself came to earth as a man, lived a perfect life, 
sacrificed himself for our sins, that his blood would atone, or his blood would cover all of our sins for us, past, present, and future. And then, on the third day, he rose again. If you honestly believe that, does your life show it? And I have to ask, and again, I'm asking myself this same question. Does my life truly show I believe what I say I believe? Do I go out there and shine a light before men to show that I truly believe that? Like these people in these other countries do, where they will even lose their life. You want to talk about showing the world that you're a Christian? When you're willing to lose your life for what you believe. Not someone's going to laugh at me or someone might tell me to bug off or this, that, and the other. Lose your life. Lose your freedom. Lose your family. Lose everything you have to profess the Word of God. You want to talk about Christian soldiers? Those are Christian soldiers. Those are warriors. Comparing it to American military, those are the Marines and the Special Forces out there as far as I'm concerned. Those are people who are out there on the front lines in the hardest battles there are. And again, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. This is just as much for myself as anybody else. But you got to ask yourself, do I really, truly believe the words in this Bible? Do I really, truly in what this book says? If you do, are you living it? All right, so I want to talk about some issues that are coming up in the church right now. And mostly I mean some false doctrine that we're seeing out there in the church right now. Most notably today, I want to talk about the prosperity gospel. <clears throat> I'm going to be using some clips today to talk about some of this. I think they're going to do a really good job of explaining some of it. We're going to talk about what is the prosperity gospel and why it's something we should be leery of and be aware of in the church. Uh, it's Again, we're going to talk about truth, not these modern traditions that have managed to find their way into uh, the church and into the pastors, uh, some of the words that they're speaking. Let's get down to what it's really about. So this first clip is, is entitled, What's So Dangerous About the Prosperity Gospel? It's from a YouTube channel called The Gospel Coalition. I think it does a really good job of introducing what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, the dangers of the prosperity gospel are manifold, but I would sum it up, I think, by saying that the prosperity gospel is very, very sneaky. The best lies are mixed with truth. And it's really hard to discern, especially if you don't know anything outside of what you're hearing from the pulpit, what you trust is God's word. Uh, so I think there are a lot of well-meaning Christians, even in some prosperity gospel churches, who are seeking to believe God, to love God. They trust their God has given them their pastor to help them know God. Uh, and yet he is either willfully or uh, mistakenly deceiving his people. Uh, and what's so dangerous about the prosperity gospel is that it is a crushing gospel. It's really a form of legalism because it's saying you need Jesus plus something uh, to receive something for yourself. Uh, and so I just think of people who are going through hardship, who are who are who have cancer and believe that God gave it to them because they don't have enough faith. How crushing is that? How, how cruel is that? What a cruel belief. Now, the, the joy of the Christian faith is that God and his grace and his mercy 
gives us grace and mercy freely that we don't have to earn it that we don't have to work ourselves up to it but that christ came and that he did that work and that grace is what sustains us through trials we go through so what is so dangerous about the prosperity gospel is that it's extremely extremely sneaky there are plenty of prosperity gospel teachers i think who would happily affirm all the sound tenets of the atonement to pick one doctrine uh, so they're not out there blatantly saying just horrendous horrific things that how could anyone believe this no they're actually saying a lot of true things which really makes it dangerous because the false things that undergird some of those true uh true things they're trying to uh prop on top of them are really dangerous and really sneaky and really corrupt. all right so again that's a good introduction what we're going to be talking about today um when you when we talk about these teachers who teach the the prosperity gospel these false doctrines there we're not saying everything they say is incorrect or everything they say is is untruth or everything they say isn't something they should be saying. A lot of it is uh, truth mixed in there. So they're not saying that, you know, Jesus wasn't the Son of God, or at least most of them aren't. You know, they're not saying uh, that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. You know, they're not saying, you're not denying Jesus is the only way to heaven. Uh, they're not. They're not going against... You know that maybe the tenets of our salvation however they are adding to this you know things that aren't solid sound doctrine aren't solidly found in the Bible and those are some things we're gonna dissect today all right so I want to make something clear uh, well let me get that in just a second let's talk about what is the prosperity gospel and the prosperity gospel really is um, it's that people will be blessed based on their faith, financially and physically. Um, God may choose to bless some people. So it's not our place to judge how God has blessed others. So if you see someone that is a pastor or, or whoever, you know, it doesn't matter. The business person's in your church and they've been blessed and they're wealthy. That's between them and God. It's not your place to judge that, but it is our place as Christians to be discerning about what is preached from the pulpit and what is being taught. Uh, again, the prosperity gospel is uh, that you're blessed financially, uh, you're successful, uh, blessed in health and other ways, all based on your faith. And there's some very dangerous things there. All right, so I, what I want to do next is uh, play a video here or play a clip here uh, from an individual named David Platt is going to kind of go into that a little bit. In our culture and around the world, like subtle distortions are rampantly making their way into our churches, our sermons, our worship songs, our conversations, our beliefs. And the danger of these distortions is that they often sound biblical or right. But we need to know how to discern when they deviate from the truth like how do we train ourselves to recognize the difference and how do we respond when we see a difference think one distortion like this it's known as the prosperity gospel a belief that asserts that god's aim is to make believers healthy and wealthy in this life like we enjoy excesses and we live like king's kids now addressing 
these subtle yet false claims is crucial because this theology is rampant among churches here and around the world. About half of self-proclaimed Christians in the United States believe that God gives material wealth to those who have enough faith. 96% of self-proclaimed Christians in Nigeria, 82% of self-proclaimed Christians in India believe the same thing. Like those numbers are staggering, especially when you realize that, that thing is a lie. And the implications are significant, like for eternity. Think about what happens to someone's faith when this, this person they're praying for, their mom, isn't healed of disease. When someone doesn't get the promotion they've been praying for. When they aren't wealthy, like they thought a king's kid would bring and have wealth. And what about Christians who are persecuted for their faith? Like, are they doing something wrong? Does God not love them as much as he does a, a multimillionaire over here? Are they somehow less faithful to him? So again, um, it's not our place to judge others and what they've been blessed with from God, but it is our place to be discerning about what is being taught in the church. Just because God doesn't choose to bless you doesn't mean he doesn't care about you, and God may not be able to use you in those circumstances. I want to talk about a, a guy named Michael Cromwell, or excuse me, Michael Criswell. Uh, he has a, an online testimony. I, I haven't heard much of, of what he says, but I did hear his testimony. And he brought up some very good points. He was worth a lot of money at one point, had his own businesses. Um, he even talked about he had a single profit from one sale, his pure profit from one sale of over half a million dollars. Um, he was doing very well. And he lost it all. He hit rock bottom. You know, he, he said that he literally had $23 to his name at that point. He had nothing. He had to move back in with his family, everything. So I don't want people to think that just because this person has money, they're bad, or because this person doesn't, they're good or whatever. But sometimes God can't use you in those circumstances. That's where he even said God told him that he was more useful in ministry now that he was not rich he had to get to that point to where God could use him and only God knows that point where he can use you you don't okay but we don't want to make our primary goal chasing money chasing finances I'm gonna go ahead and go with the Bible right now first Timothy chapter 6 starting in verse 3 if anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about the words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Again, I'll say that again. Who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means of financial gain. Picking up in verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish, harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 
you are not saying money is evil. Money is not evil inherently. It's it's an object. It's not good or bad. It's how you use it. Okay. So for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Okay. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish, harmful desires that plunge man into ruin and destruction. Again, that is First Timothy chapter six, verse three through verse ten. So again, biblically speaking, we have to be discerning. We have to look out and be those people, those watchmen in the church, those watchmen in the Christian community that look out and let people know, hey, I know this pastor is saying this or this teacher is saying this, but don't feel like your faith isn't strong enough because you haven't got money or don't feel like your faith isn't strong enough because God hasn't healed you yet. I'm going to talk about a good friend of mine. Uh from when I was I was in high school and beyond um, a guy named Scott he was a young healthy athlete this is back in the late 90s he had a real bad car accident that paralyzed him from the waist down he was distraught I mean it destroyed him and they his father was a pastor um, they didn't understand why it happened you know it was it was very hard on his him and his whole family he was a young, healthy athlete, good-looking guy, real popular, everything, and his whole world came crashing down, and they would take him to pastors to pray and for healing and everything, and he just wasn't healed, and he, you know, I'm sure he didn't say this, but I'm sure oftentimes he wondered if his faith wasn't strong enough or what, you know? Well, God had a purpose and a plan for him. He didn't know what it was yet, but it was there. A few years later, we went to war in Afghanistan and Iraq. These young, healthy, athletic men were coming back from war, battled and bruised and beaten. Scott had got his degree in counseling. And he was able to help these men get through this. He was able to tell them from his own experience what it was like to go from this young, healthy, athletic, good-looking, all-the-ladies-love-you type guy to being in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Having to deal with the things that come along with being paralyzed from the waist down. He was able to coach these guys and help them have an understanding of the, because he had already been there. He had already done that. He had already gone through those things. So he had a strong understanding of what it was like and how to cope with it and how to get through it and how to deal with it. And he became a counselor for these military men coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan that were battered and beaten and broken. God had a plan for what happened to him. I don't think God caused his accident or anything like that, but I think God chose not to heal him because God needed him to help these other people. God needed him in that place to help these men come back and understand their place, understand how to get through it, understand how to move on with their lives from there. And I think God used him to be such a big blessing to these people. And so don't think just because God hasn't made you rich, maybe he couldn't use you rich. Don't think because God hasn't healed you, maybe he has a plan for you. Don't think because he hasn't done those things that God doesn't care about you and he doesn't plan on using you. This life is but a blink of an eye. You have to think eternity and heaven-minded. All right, I got one more clip here and then I'm going to close out with a prayer. I uh, hope we've gained something here today. And uh, if you have any questions, again, feel free to email us at unknownchristiansoldiers at gmail.com. And again, we're working on the website too right now.
I want to talk to you this morning about the battle that rages for your mind. And you have to be aware that Satan is coming against this generation in an unprecedented measure. He is attacking this generation to take the thoughts of God out of the minds of an entire society. He's doing it through the school system. He's doing it in our colleges. He's doing it in the marketplace. He's doing it in the halls of government. And he's even doing it in the house of God. Trying to eradicate everything that comes from the mind of God. To blind an entire generation. To take captive as many as he can. For the scripture says he knows that his time is short. All right. That was Carter Conlon. I think he did a real good job right there. Again, Satan will work his way into anything he can, including the doctrines of the church. So don't think just because you go to a godly church that Satan isn't trying to work his way in there. If he can find a foothold, he will. Whether it be people arguing among the church, whether it be people having jealousies among the church, whatever it is, you have to be vigilant about that and you have to be prayerful about that. This generation is going through some stuff. The current generations around the earth are going through a lot of things. In our younger generations right now, I I don't even want to fathom what my kids are going to experience when they become adults. They're already going through so much right now in the school and in life that I would have never thought of at that age. So be prayerful for the younger generations. Be prayerful for those people in those countries that are being persecuted. Father God, we come before you right now and pray your blessing on us, however that blessing may be. We pray you will be with us as we go about our days and weeks. I pray that you will be there for us and help us to remember that we are followers of Christ, that we are followers of you, and we need to be representative that way and show what our belief is. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless.